to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica, episode 230, Time Flight. Uh, I am not John. John is traveling. I'm Taylor, uh, but joining me this time is a friend of the show who this summer is bringing Yacht Rock to the forefront. Uh, welcome, everyone. Terry. Hello. Terry, how's it going? It's going well. And yeah, yes. My summer mission. Bringing, so happy to have you back on. Bringing 70s and 80s music to the masses. Heck yeah. Hashtag Yacht Rock Dad, isn't yep. it? It's my new my new I hashtag. It. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. Um, how have you been? I've been good. Yeah, I uh, was enjoying the summer. Had you a good had... birthday yesterday, and yeah, got to hang out with some friends. You did and... happy birthday to you. Thank you. You uh, you threw yourself out of a plane. I did willingly, willingly, willingly and it was fun. Jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> Man, I tend to like the perfectly good airplanes. Those are the ones I like to stay in. But that's just. That's my preference. I, I didn't really have much of a choice. The dude I was strapped to was like, okay, we're going. I'm like, I guess we're going. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose that's true. When you don't really have much of a choice, you just go along for the ride. Yep. Well, nice. I'm glad that you could join me because John is on the East Coast right now. It's creeping up on midnight, and I bet you anything he's still awake. Probably. Because <laughs> that man does not know how to sleep and stays up and watches lots of wrestling. So there you go. Yep. Um, but I, I, I appreciate you coming on board. And, uh, I said here, pick, pick a, pick a Dr. Who episode, classic or new. And what did you say? I said, let's do something. Fifth doctor. Fifth doctor is my favorite classic doctor. I, so, okay, cool. And, and, and I know that you, you were like, here, here are these three that I'm interested in doing. And I was like, we've <laughs> actually already done all three of those yep. episodes, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, but I, I knew of one that I know that I had not seen in a long time. And if I remember right, you said you, you've you never seen before. I have is never seen this one before. Yeah. Which is funny because I've seen okay. the one before it. I've seen Earthshock, which comes right before it. Right. And I've seen right. the next season premiere, which comes after it. But somehow I've never seen this one. Interesting. Well, this will be fun to get in and talk about. But before we get to that, um, you know, as the pandemic has, has gone on, we've always enjoyed kind of just taking a moment and talking about what's making us happy right now. And and I know you've had a lot going on with your birthday and everything, but, but is there anything else that's making you happy right now? Um, get to spend time with my dog. It's enjoying summer. Um, just got back Excellent. from a camping trip on Catalina Island. So that was super fun. Oh yes. I, I saw, uh, pictures and video from that. That looked really cool. Yeah. I've never been before lived here my whole life. Never been to Catalina. Neat. Neat. I like that. Um, and I don't know that maybe this, this will make you happy. I actually just saw this news today. Um, cause I know you and I are both, I mean, not only have we bonded over Dr. Who stuff before, plus, having gotten you into Hellier. Um, but I know you and I are both fans of the Owl House and Amphibia. Yes. The 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 very fantastic Disney cartoons. Highly recommend them, folks, if you haven't checked them out. I actually saw today that season three of Amphibia starts October 2nd. I did see that. And actually just as Oh, evening, cool. I just finished watching that, uh, the crossover um, Comic-Con panel they did together. So if you haven't seen yes. that on YouTube. Oh my gosh. 
they did a uh, they did like a you know a Q and A, and then they also did a table read of like a crossover episode, which was pretty funny. Yes, and I see that some fans already have like you know animated short parts of that, and, yes. and the you know showrunners have have retweeted those. But I do need to go and find uh, that panel quote-unquote panel and watch it because today i was just busy catching up on the doctor who panel that we'll talk about here in just a minute yes oh and speaking um, speaking of so yeah speaking of my catalina trip you'll find this interesting i did the uh speaking What's of that? things we both like i did the ghost tour and the guy yes. actually told the guy oh. told us not only ghost stories but a ufo story he'd had a ufo sighting on oh, catalina i well i mean that is kind of in you know kind of a hot zone of UFO activity from from what I've heard. So that's really cool. Yeah, I love it. I was the guy was super cool. I was really interested in it. Neat. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, my brother recently told me that uh, I guess there's going to be some sort of uh, ghost hunting event in Goldfield, Nevada. Uh, I think next month. And he's like, dude, I'm so tempted to go. And I'm like, you should. That would go. be cool. Go take advantage of it. I'm like, who knows how much longer, you know. We'll, we'll have a chance to do these things, especially with, you know, the Delta variant spreading Yep. as well as it is right now. I'm like, take advantage of it. Be safe, but take advantage of it, man. So definitely fingers crossed for him. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's making me happy? Um, well, obviously, my arm's healing up. Um, I've got a new desk. Uh, That's <laughs> we, definitely we a plus. A yeah yeah it's it's been a little bit of uh getting used to just kind of rearranging my stuff in my space but that's okay um but i have to say a um a show from new zealand has actually started airing on the cw which is not normally a network i frequent but wellington paranormal um which is uh, created by uh, Taika Waititi and um, Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords fame. And it is hilarious. Yes. I, I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and watch it yet, but it's definitely on my list of things to watch very soon. Yeah, I've been um, I've I've, you know, as soon as I heard that it was coming, I you know stuck it on the DVR. Um, I think I think the fourth episode airs tonight sometime. It may be airing right now for all I know um but yeah it's it's really funny it's it's just some good you know deadpan humor and yeah it's fun so if, if you got a chance folks i will absolutely recommend checking that out. i'm definitely gonna watch it yeah yeah you'll have to let me know what you think yeah please yeah, so we keep sharing shows back and forth between each other definitely <laughs> all right well let's get into some who news um this uh, this first story, it, man, this is going to be oddly juxtaposed against news we're going to talk about in a couple of articles here. And I, I really wasn't sure if I wanted to include this or not. Um, but over at The Guardian, they kind of sort of make a case for you know, maybe it's time for Doctor Who to take a break. And generally speaking, as someone who has lived through the wilderness years, my instantaneous reaction to that is no, no, we lost it once and we didn't think we were going to get it back. Why would we willingly put it on a break again? Um, and I don't know. I don't know that I completely agree with their reasoning. Of course, we'll have links to all of this in the show notes. So feel free to check it out and, you know, chime in with your opinions um, uh, on Twitter and let us know what you think. But um, they're kind of like, look, it, it takes a really long time. You know, we, we get these these huge gaps between seasons and, um, you know, they, they talk about just 
you know, shows like Loki and the Mandalorian and stuff where obviously, you know, Disney has got much bigger budgets than the BBC and how they're able to just kind of like turn these shows around. And I, I don't know that I 100% agree with all of it, but they do make some points. Terry, what do you think? I mean, is it time for, for Doctor Who to, to take a rest or, you know, darn the torpedoes and full speed ahead? I feel like we get enough of we get those these big gaps between seasons right now like we've had what we had a two-year gap for a while almost where we got like a Christmas special yeah all we got was a Christmas special that one year exactly Uh, but yeah it's definitely understandable because they don't have quite a big as a budget as like you know something like the Mandalorian or the Marvel shows Mm -hmm. but uh, I I think it needs to stay relevant though if it takes a break you're gonna people who forget about it and maybe don't come back for the next the next season who aren't like diehard fans who maybe are going to just, you know, right. kind of fall off the the fan base. So maybe keeping it, yeah, not taking a break and keeping it in the, in, you know, the forefront. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and personally, I mean, the, the more I've thought about it, you know, that I, I kind of had a moment where I was like, Oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, but it, I think there's, there's ways to do it where you can kind of keep that relevancy. I mean, I think obviously, um, you know, Big Finish does a lot to fill that. And the fact that like the official BBC Doctor Who social media channels are are sharing Big Finish content, um, you know, to their masses, I think does, you know, a big service to kind of kind of help keep things in the forefront, even if we don't have well, I guess up until this morning, a bit of season 13 news, you know, there, there's still stuff to be consumed by the masses. Yeah, I've always liked between seasons. I've always been a big fan of the the big finish and the comics. And there's definitely official yeah. stuff out there to, to, to look at to keep to keep your uh, your Doctor Who interest going. Well, speaking of big finish, uh, Martha Jones is actually going to be getting her own audio series uh, spinoff. I saw that. I saw, I think, on Big Finish tweeted it or something, but I did read it somewhere. That's yeah, exciting. That is. It's coming out December of 2021, and it's a trio of audio adventures. Um, it looks like, yes, it's set between um, the episodes of uh, The Sound of Drums and The Last of the Time Lords. That'll be cool. That'll be, yeah, that'll be interesting to get that, that story of what so. happened to her in there. Exactly. Yeah. So it'll be that that year that she spent traveling uh, the earth warning humanity about the master. Um, So yeah, that that will be interesting, because that's not something that really I don't remember being all that thoroughly explored uh, in the show. I think we got just a couple flashbacks. And that's about it. And then her, you know, telling the doctor and that's, that's about it in the show. Right. So it'll be cool to to see like the details of what happened to her. Yes, exactly. So we have got that to look forward to. Um, and and then just this morning, uh, West Coast time, the Doctor Who panel at uh, San Diego Comic-Con from home uh, provided some interesting hints for uh, season 13. Did you uh, did you happen to watch the panel, Terry? I didn't watch the actual panel yet, but I saw the the recaps of what they some of the stuff they announced. I saw the biggest thing I saw was it's going to be one big, long story story arc. Yeah. Yes, that's over, right. We over get, eight episodes? We, we do get an eight episode season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be that and it's going to be one big story. So um, I got kind of excited about that. I think that could be really cool. I think it's going to be interesting. It'll be a different different way to tell a story. And I'm I'm super excited for it. I'm excited, especially with everything they set up last season, what the story is yeah, going to be. I, I, I am too. And, it, and one of the things that I got most excited about 
one of the things I'm most excited about is that it actually sounds like we start the season with the Doctor and Yaz having traveled together for a while. So we've got this this gap that maybe someday Big Finish could fill in. Yeah, that would be cool. I could see I could see a series of uh, of thirteen and Yaz audios. Like they've done the, uh, the the Ten and Donna ones. I could see a series of, of 13 and Yaz ones coming out in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I would love that. And, and quite honestly, I'm, I'm almost a little disappointed that we don't get that as our season. I'd almost rather see that in some ways. I would like to see it, yeah. I, I like the uh, 13 Yaz kind of dynamic that we got the end of the last season. So I wanted to kind of see more of them together, like have that as our season. Yeah. But I'll settle, totally for some, I'll settle for some big finish in the totally future. Totally agree. But <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely, definitely. We also uh, we also get a little bit uh, of um, uh, John Bishop's character, uh, Dan. You know, they were all kind of sharing what it was like to uh, be on set and to work together. And, you know, that, that experience of walking into the TARDIS set for the first time. And then they also introduce their their special guest that they had been touting. Um, and that's a gentleman by the name of Jacob Anderson, uh, who um, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I never watched Game of Thrones either. OK, it's not just me. All right. Um, <laughs> but when I when I first saw him in like the little trailer that they had, I was like, wait a second, I feel like I recognize this guy. Um wasn't he in a series of Crown Royal commercials here in America? Uh, no, that's a different guy, apparently. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited for this character that he's playing uh, named Vinder. He's got kind of a swaggery, you know, space captain thing going on. Yeah, his character seems cool. I'm excited to see where they go with it. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, from what I know of filming for series 13 it's it's got to be a really interesting story they're going to be telling because i know we get some really cool classic monsters as well as some new monsters in this new season so i i'm hopeful i am i am hopeful for season 13 to say the least yeah i'm excited for it i think it's going to be good and i'm excited to see See this, um, this new we, kind of storytelling. Yeah, that's that I think is going to be the most interesting part. Um, and of course, we didn't get a an actual date for the premiere. It's just coming later this year, which I suppose could be December 31st as still technically later this year. Yeah, could be another New Year's special holiday special, I guess is what they're calling it now. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. I Here's hoping it's before that at the very least. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Well, this week we watched Time Flight. Stars Peter Davison as the Doctor, Janet Fielding as Tegan, Sarah Sutton as Nyssa, and Anthony Ainley. Shh, don't tell me you saw him there as the Master. Uh, it was written by Peter Grimwade and directed by Ron Jones. It first aired March 22nd through the 30th of 1982. It is the seventh and final story of season 19. And we also have some story notes brought to you by the fine folks over at TARDIS Wikia. Uh, Terry, if you've listened to the show, and I know you have, you know we love a good working title uh, for our episodes. Um, and apparently the working titles for Time Flight were both Xanadin and, separately, Xerophin. 
<laughs> I think they used a uh, alien. Name I don't know generator. that either of those really work. I, it seems that way. Yes. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen Doctor Who episodes that use just a single word in that same sense. I think time flight, much like time heist, uh, works a lot better than either of those. I think so, too. Although they sound very like. 80s. Well, this story is perhaps the only evidence of. Pro- <laughs> Yes. Well, yes, yes, exactly. It does. It does sound a lot like Xanadu, doesn't it? Um, so this story is perhaps the only evidence of product placement throughout the whole of Doctor Who. Uh, Time Flight was the first television story allowed to film at Heathrow Airport and the first to be allowed to film in an actual Concorde aircraft. That's pretty cool. It makes sense. It was like the height of the, the Concords. They, I think they, they started using them in the late 70s. If I remember my, uh, I my aviation so. history, 75 or 76 is when they started using them commercially, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so they, they, were... they went up through late 90s, early 2000s. I forget. Yeah. Late 90s. They were still using them. Okay. And now you can yeah. go see them in museums. <laughs> Much like the space shuttle. Yep. Yeah. I went in one in uh, the, I think it was the Air and Space Museum in New York City. It's on an aircraft carrier. I can't remember the name oh, of it okay. at the moment. But yeah. The Intrepid, Neat. I want to say. They also okay. have a space shuttle there too. You can go in. That's awesome. But yeah, they have a Concorde you can take a tour of and like sit in the seats and go in the cockpit. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot yeah. of fun. It's pretty cool. Neat. Neat. Well, British Airways were given a copy of the script before filming. They asked for changes to parts of the story that could be considered detrimental to the company, including one line where a flight attendant refers to the passengers as punters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the story follows on directly from Earthshock. We kind of talked about that earlier at the conclusion of which, if you haven't seen Earthshock, I, you probably shouldn't be listening to this right now. Adric was killed aboard a space freighter that crashed into the Earth. Now, of course, at the beginning of Time Flight, and we'll talk about this here in a few minutes, Nissa and Tegan plead with the Doctor to go back and save him, but the Doctor refuses on the grounds that even with the TARDIS, there are laws of time that cannot be broken. Um, in part two... We actually see Adric make a little cameo appearance as an apparition. Uh, Matthew Waterhouse uh, stated in an interview that it was good to uh, leave in Earthshock because Time Flight, according to him, was a terrible story. <laughs> um, and and there there is some debate as to how good a story Time Flight is. But uh, nevertheless, Adric's cameo as an apparition uh, both satisfied the actor's contract and John Nathan Turner's intent that the story contain Matthew Waterhouse in the combined cast list for parts one and two in the Radio Times, which was printed a week early to maintain the surprise of Adric's death in Earthshock. That makes sense. Yeah, because boy, if suddenly he's not there in the uh, basically the British TV guide listings, yep, people will start to wonder. Pre-internet speculation, thanks to the Radio Times. Little hints. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know what? Nice to see that fans have been looking for little hints everywhere. Yep, even before the internet. (laughs) Precisely, precisely. Um, Now, when the TARDIS first lands in the terminal building at Heathrow, a woman announces over the speaker system that Air Australia apologizes for the delay of one of its flights. And if you pay close attention at the end of the story, when Tegan is walking through the terminal, the same woman announces that the Air Australia flight is now ready for boarding. I think that's just a little... uh, uh, I don't know, capstone to Tegan's whole uh, story because this, this one, well, that's not true because she does come back. Uh, but this, this story marks the end of the doctor trying to get Tegan home because she does get home. And then next season she gets back on board. Yep. <laughs> home briefly. Yes, exactly. Home briefly. 
and then back into the thick of things not much later. Yep. Um, Peter Davison actually considers this to be the worst story of his tenure, stating that it was a very good story, but we'd run out of money. We filmed the prehistoric landscape of Heathrow Airport at Studio 8 and TV Center with a model Concorde in the back of the studio. The monsters were bits of foam. We didn't do the story justice. He found it frustrating knowing that what they were rehearsing was going to look like a pile of crap. (laughs) He's not wrong. And of course, (laughs) well... Yeah, there were definitely some parts of it where I was like, wow, they really are just hitting the bottom of the barrel at this point in the season. And this this, of course, is is basically the season finale. And they've they've blown all their budget on the rest of the season. And so, you know, it it I guess it is what it is at this point. Even Janet Fielding claimed on the DVD commentary that she didn't remember it being this bad until she rewatched it. (laughs) Um, and just to round out the whole group, Sarah Sutton disliked the story largely because she had no idea what was going on in it. I feel like there's an entire Gallifrey One panel uh, from from 2020 that we missed because they were all there. And I don't remember Time Flight coming up much. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> it's not one that gets well, talked about a lot. No, apparently not. Apparently not. It's uh, is living very much in the shadow of our shock. Um, Eric Sayward, uh, he actually wanted the master to be killed off in this story as he felt the character had outlived its welcome. Can oh. you imagine? I'm glad we didn't kill off the master. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that you can kill off the master. I mean, how many times has the master come back now? He's been, quote unquote, dead before. So indeed, and come back. indeed. Yep. So uh, I think even if Eric Sayward had had his way, I at least hope the master would have come back at some point. So I'm glad he wasn't, because then we wouldn't have stuff like survival in the Seventh Doctor era. Yes. Anyway, lastly, in terms of story notes, during one meeting, Peter Grimwade, I still love the name Grimwade. I think that is the name of a Transformer, if I'm not mistaken, uh, ran an errand with Christopher uh, Bidmead over at Heathrow Airport, which inspired the notion of involving the Concorde. Uh, Bidmead thought that this would be a nice way to bridge the writer's fantastical notions with reality, while Grimwade himself hoped it might lead to a chance to ride aboard the Concorde. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to tell you. Last episode with the Sunmakers, we had uh, we had Robert Holmes really upset at the uh, UK tax system and, and taking his feelings out on it in an episode. Now we have Peter Grimwade being like, man, I really want to ride aboard a Concorde. I'm going to write a story. Involving the Concord. Maybe they'll let me ride the Concord. <laughs> exactly. Gotta love it. Doesn't hurt to try. Don't tell me that. No, exactly. And, and you know, I mean, I know that you kind of have dedicated your life and a lot of your, your schooling to, to screenwriting and stuff. Who knows? You may be inspired by some mode of transportation or, or get pissed off at the IRS <laughs> and it will generate an amazing story. Hopefully that happens. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, before we dive into our feelings and and, and nitpicking apart, uh, at least in some places, this story, let me hit you with one of my world famous synopses, which I much prefer John introducing because now it sounds like I'm really being kind <laughs> of like boastful. Um, anyway, <laughs> hot on the heels of losing Adric, the Dr. Tegan and Nyssa arrive at Heathrow Airport modern day for them where a concord jet has gone missing after choosing to risk an extra concord to find the first one team tardis find themselves along with the crew of the jet back in the jurassic period where the master sporting a rather cringy accent at first 
uh, we'll talk about that, is trying to, I think, harness the collective psychic power of the Xerophon, who look a little bit like the greys in ufology, to power his TARDIS, which has broken down yet again. Can the Doctor defeat the Master, get his own TARDIS, at least one Concord, and both crews and passengers back to Heathrow? Phew, it's a tall order, but it's time to put our tray tables in the upright position for time flight. Oh boy, well, <laughs> Terry, tell me what, uh, what are just your overall feelings? Having seen the story for the first time, I feel like how did you like it? It was it was one of those classic Doctor Who stories that was entertaining because it's absolutely bananas and you have no idea what's happening. Not because it's a good story. It's just fun to watch because it's insane. (laughs) I absolutely agree. This is one of those stories that at least for us here on Podcastica, we kind of we kind of use the fifth Doctor story Kinda to gauge the level of bonkersness. Yep. And uh, uh, Kinda is very bonkers, um, but Time Flight, it, it's definitely up there. I, admittedly, it is not the greatest story in Doctor Who history. And honestly, I think in 1982, if I was there watching it as a season finale that follows Earthshock, yeah. um, I I'd have, I'd probably would have felt pretty let down. Um, but even for a fairly kind of clunky story at times, it really is enjoyable for its bonkersness. Um, and that said, could you imagine Earthshock as the season finale? I wish if yeah. they had done that. It would have been nicer if Earthshock had been the season finale. Oh my gosh, that would have been insane because as it is, you know, Earthshock ends with like no music over the credits and just the smashed, you know, uh, star badge. It always feels like a season. It feels more like a season finale. Completely. I mean, we do at the at the end of this one, we do that cliffhanger of of Tegan being left behind, but it's not a, as big of a cliffhanger as you know Adric and everything, right? You know, and it was such a big um, story too. It was a huge story. It was a huge story, and and so you know, I like you were saying, you know, you had seen Earthshock, you'd seen the beginning of the next season. Somehow this fell through the cracks, and here already we're talking more about Earthshock than yeah. we are about Time Flight. <laughs> I feel like it should have been middle of the season, probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely could have seen this episode, you know, elsewhere in the season, even if you just reversed the order. I mean, you'd have to put Adric in it. Yeah. Um, which, which is fine. You can make that work. Um, but, but to end things with, with Earthshock and that kind of like weight. Yeah. That would have been just hitting. That would have been a good season finale. It would have been, it would have been, um, so this obviously this story is is special in its sense of kind of being on location and and being in <clears throat> at that time a, a very famous type of jet. How do you how do you feel about the whole using um, the Concord and and Heathrow as part of the story? Does does that work for you? I feel like for me, as someone who loves like aviation history and airplanes, I thought it was cool. I don't think it added anything to the story. They could have used any jet airliner. They could have used, you know, it, there wasn't anything special about the Concorde, just other than that it was a Concorde. Right. And it, and, it, and it looks cool. Yeah. And it looks cool. And they could say Concorde 84,000 times in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But they, that is true. And that probably comes off the tongue a little bit better than saying, oh, yeah, that uh, 737 yeah. over there. But it wasn't like they used the like, you know, the supersonicness of the Concord in the story at all. It just happened to be mm-hmm. a Concord. Right. I wish yeah, I wish that, that I kept waiting for something like 
Like, oh, is it going to be like, are they going to get back faster because it's supersonic? Or is there going to be something with like the TARDIS that, you know, the supersonicness plays into it? But it never did. Like, that was a little bit of a letdown. That, you know what? I completely agree with that. I, I hadn't made that observation in, until you shared that. And that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I get it. You know, the fifth doctor, I don't think had a sonic at any point, but man, it have, had there been one and you could have worked the supersonic speed into everything else that that actually would have been really cool. Yeah. I thought the end when they yeah. were like taking the parts apart and like putting the TARDISes back together, like it was going to come in somewhere there. Like they'd have to like start the engine or something and then nothing ever right. came of it. I was like, oh, well. Right. No, I, I think I think the only thing we learned about uh, the Concorde is that it actually does surprisingly well um getting up to speed and taking off on a completely not paved surface yeah in the jurassic period <laughs> yeah in the jurassic period um and and apparently you can help prime and start the engines using tire pressure yeah that was that was fun <laughs> <laughs> especially because have... they stuck tegan out there as the one to like do it yes <laughs> You're yeah, a, you're a flight I, attendant. You can do this. And it's funny because at certain moments, Tegan completely switches into uh, uh, like stewardess mode. Yeah, yeah. And and is is directing people around. And and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah, she's, she's ready. At one she's point, ready. at one point, I wrote a note that was just like Tegan's flight attendant voice when she's telling everyone to mm-hmm. get on the plane. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, and um, oh my gosh, I think even on the TARDIS in the first episode, um, I think she even says, oh, we're due to land in London in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, even then already in stewardess mode. And and it, actually, it's really funny because when when they well, they don't land, they they're they're kind of um, they're kind of jostled like out of out of their flight and so they stabilize and they're like oh where are we and they they raise the view screen and they're like hovering over heathrow and and it's hilarious because the doctor kind of does this double take he kind of like looks and then he's like oh it's just wait what (laughs) yep and it's just this hilarious look on his face in fact i feel like this tardis view screen uh gets more use in this story than possibly any other story i can think of yeah it came into play a lot actually it really did and that really stood out to me for some just nonsensical reason but it's nice to i guess see it getting some use yeah (laughs) um i gotta ask have you seen the animated recreation of the second doctor story the faceless ones i have yeah okay i don't know about you but in the first episode of time flight i felt like i was getting echoes of the faceless ones yeah um kind of how they they in in the faceless ones they land at gatwick you know the the tardis like literally lands on the runway um you've got the the bureaucracy of the airport going who is this guy running around and and what's going on and why is there a police box on our runway and i feel like we get something very similar to that in time flight and it's not something i would have noticed had i not seen the faceless ones previously yeah it definitely makes sense i can definitely see that very similar yeah just all of a sudden they're being a the TARDIS and everyone's running around security's being like, what is this? Who are you? Exactly. Um, And I I do love, I I really enjoy the scenes uh, in Heathrow with the TARDIS and you get a sense for either a, how low the ceilings are 
at Heathrow um, or B how tall the TARDIS is because it literally is pushed right up against uh, the ceiling of the floor that it lands on. Yeah. I noticed that. I was like, how small is this airport? <laughs> right. I think I, at one point I was actually like studying the actual outer dimensions of the TARDIS because I wanted to make like a, a one third scale of it to be like a, um, a front yard Christmas decoration at our house. Still haven't built it. Still want to. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the, the, the TARDIS itself is on the order of about nine feet tall. That's not, I mean, that's not super tall. No, but it, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I can't say I've measured our ceilings in here, but it would be pretty close to the ceiling in here, I would imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> but you didn't think of airports uh, as being a little more open. Right. You would think, and perhaps Heathrow is today, but I'm maybe in, maybe in the early eighties, they were still kind of using that late seventies brutalism uh, architecture. <laughs> yep. Um, oh gosh. So yeah. So they, they ultimately figure out that the, um, the first Concord has gone through what they call a, or what the doctor calls a, not a time warp, not a, not a wormhole, not uh, anything fancier than a time contour. Yep. <laughs> Um, I, I, I can't say I've ever ridden one of those before, but I imagine there's a curve to it. It sounds like it. Or a shape of some kind. I don't know. Um, so yeah, they, they, it blows me away that the doctor manages to convince the folks at Heathrow, or I, I guess literally at British Airways, because they, they operated the Concords to say, you know what, let's risk another Concorde. These are not cheap aircraft. Yeah. Um, and, and let's go find the first one because I've got a feeling it fell through time. Yeah. That was very funny to me. That's like, well, we lost one Concord. Let's just throw another one at it and see what happens. Right. I think there was only like seven or eight total. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. There were, they were, um, and to have two of them just ready to go at Heathrow I was like, all right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, cause who doesn't, you know, just keep a spare Concord ready to go at any time. Uh, <laughs> 80s were a wild time they man weren't they um so they they load the tardis on board which i think is hilarious because the tardis has to be on its side yep and um they they there's this neat little um part in episode one where the doctor has to climb into the tardis and as he's doing so right because it's on its side and i'm like okay this is going to be interesting either he's going to come in and be like sliding on the floor or it's going to like the whole dimension is going to suddenly right itself and he's going to be upright. And it's kind of, you know, six of one half dozen of another because he comes in and is, is on the floor, but then I can't remember punches a button or something. And like, you know, the, the, the interior of the TARDIS reorients itself and okay, now he can get and stand up. And I was like, okay, that works for me. Yeah, Sure. Yeah, it always kind of made sense to me that the TARDIS would just like reorient it in itself when need be. Yeah, well, I mean, why not? If 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 the TARDIS can make all sorts of rooms and and ultimately, you know, turn into a woman, yep. why not just <laughs> reorient its 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 direction? Yeah, it's one of the least crazy things the TARDIS does, actually. Yeah, this is this is true. This is true. Um, so yeah, ultimately they find themselves back in the Jurassic period. Um, I think they say something on the order of about 140 million years. So even though they couldn't go back and get Adric 65 million years ago, they could accidentally 
overshoot that and go back 140 million years because why not? Yep, that makes sense. Right. And and this now is where things really start going bonkers. We're still technically in episode one. And oh man, I just like I don't even know where to start. We've got like not the greatest CSO. Yep. You know, the blue screen is is a little too obvious in places, but I feel like that was kind of typical of the 80s across the board. Yeah. Um, and then we've got this guy in what at least to me at first looks like a very kind of esoteric cave like TARDIS with a crystal ball for a center console. Um, and he's murmuring on about wanting a Shiraz. I, I guess they don't have wine in the Jurassic period. Yeah, that's that was my thought too. I was like, hmm, maybe he's missing his wine. <laughs> he is Shiraz, Shiraz. Um, and boy, if that's not a terrible mask, I just, I don't have an, a more polite way to say it. Yeah, it was, it was not good. It was, v- he, he's, he's, he's a mud head. It looks like they've literally just caked his head with mud. That's yeah, you could still see like if they like mold it, trying to mold it with mud. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't I literally I don't know what they were going for with it. I didn't see anything um, on TARDIS Wikia behind. Oh, you know, they were trying to accomplish this particular look uh, and obviously with no budget, you know, completely failed. Yeah. On it. Um, but attentive viewers will uh notice that if you listen to this character his name is khalid um not dj khalid that's different um if if uh you listen to his him talking just closely enough you're like mm, this voice sounds familiar yeah um and terry how cringeworthy is anthony ainley doing a bad Asian accent oh it was yeah it was it was pretty cringy I was like oh with the with like the mustache and everything yes oh my gosh it was um you know I mean I realized that we are looking at it you know with our 2021 vision yeah um looking back what almost almost 40 years now 39 years yeah um but wow definitely yeah definitely definitely cringy yeah I mean, I don't know if it's quite talons of of Wang Chiang bad, but it's bad. Yeah, it's it's up there. <laughs> um, it was it was a little little hard to watch. It was. It really was at times, and and I, I was so glad that by the end of the second episode, we get the reveal that it's the master, and he can kind of like drop this charade. Yes, that was. Uh, I was excited to not have to watch any more of that. I'm like, okay, cool. It's the master. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. So if, I mean, I'll put it out there, folks, when and if you watch Time Flight, um, second episode is cringeworthy just for that accent and the affectations and stuff. Um, and there's other bonkersness in there, which is, you know, hilarious to watch. But if you can kind of push through episode two, not that I endorse the accent or anything, and and we get the master reveal. You know, you're you're back on board. Hopefully, once you get to the master reveal, you're good. Yeah, pretty much because all that stuff can get dropped, and we can kind of hit the ground running. Um, and we get all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, Nissa ends up channeling like literally. You know, the uh, what turns out to be the collective like psychic energy of the Zeraphin uh, possess her. Yeah, that uh, that whole story was. 
I mean, on top of being back in time and having the master, you also have yep. this whole like alien race that's like their whole consciousness has been like preserved. Yeah, in half of them are good and half of, of them are bad. It sounds like yes, yeah. Like we don't even get this until much later, but yeah, there's there's even internal conflict. Um, you know, when when we do see them, you know, they they appear and they're they're very um, uh, silvery suited. Um, I'm, I'm not joking. They they do kind of look like a, a a take on your classic gray alien. Admittedly, a little bit taller, a little bit um, I guess buffer. Yeah. <laughs> than than a, than, a, than a typical gray. Um, and yes, there's this complete inner conflict uh, between the two sides of the Zeraphin as, as to what to do. Um, and they've I don't know. Like, like the doctor has to try to convince them to not become the new, I guess, engine for the Master's TARDIS. I think that's what's happening. That's what it sounded like, <laughs> which is um, also wild. And not, yes, exactly. Because, because sure, why not? Yeah. You know, let's engine, let's engine swap a TARDIS. Yeah, with, um, with the consciousness. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and, oh man, I, I just... Like I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, things are so off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, um, you know, we we've amongst the 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 crew and the passengers, um, we have Professor Hater, who is not a hater. It's H A Y T E R. Um, and right off the bat, I'm like, I can't tell if he looks more like Carl Jung or or J. Allen Hynek. And seeing as how we have a take on on Alien Grays later in the episode, I'm like, okay, he looks like J. Allen Hynek. Let's just go full ufology on this. Yep. Um oh man. We we get spectral adric. Yeah. We get we get swirly clouds that look like somebody has, you know, filmed dry ice in a bowl on a blue screen. We get some bubbles, bubble monster. We we get bubble monsters, Liter- yes. Literally, which I, literally bubbles. Yes. This is this is where the budget got at this point in the season. Um, somebody in props had to get the bubble wand away from their kid and was like, "Look, guys, we're just using this. We got to make it work, and we're going to call them plasmatons." Yep, that was also a great name, plasmatons. It was. I like that one. I think you could have like a cool band called the Plasmatons. It sounds like it would be part of the TARDIS, actually. It. You know what it does? Some like techno babble about the TARDIS. I could hear plasmatons yep. coming out. Yep. They've got to reverse the plasmatons of the plasmaton flow. Yep. Sure. Yep. <laughs> but instead we get we get literal bubbles. We get literal bubbles and monsters that look like I don't know, you've done like um um foam insulation, like expanding foam insulation in a wall and you've just pulled it out of the wall and not even given it feet. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a thing. Just kind of spray painted a gray, maybe. <laughs> Yes, yeah, because it's like like peach colored or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird color too. Yeah, it is, and yes, yes, of course, spray paint it because because it's Doctor Who. Yep. Um, I don't even like. I'm literally looking at my notes for episode three, and I'm like, what even happens in episode three? Um, we get sort of I, the the master's I, plan, sort of, but not really. We get a to, little bit to see the inner sanctum thing. Oh yes, because. Because the master is trying to get these people to break into a ginormous 1980s Big Mac container. Yep. Um, and and yet Tegan and Nissa managed to get in at some point because that's where the the 
sarcophagus like of the bowl yeah. of psychic people sarcophagus are, are of the there. consciousness yeah i you know what i gotta say because because I'm, I'm i mean i'm gonna consider you our kind of screenwriting expert um because you at least got a degree in it and I, I do i haven't <laughs> so so on a scale of clunkiness how clunky is this script oh i would say it's up there it's like it's like a nine because I think if I even wrote in my it, notes, I was right. There's too much going on and nothing connects at all. It it really really feels that way. I, so I'm 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 glad I'm at least on that kind of same page because you know I watched it in two parts over two days and looking back at it now and I'm like what what was even going on? I feel like they just like pulled a bunch of random Doctor Who things out of like a pile and just put them all together. So so what you're saying is is there was a a, a proto like um, Doctor Who episode generator. Basically. I mean, I want to say website, but obviously they didn't have websites in 1982. It's like a Doctor Who um, Mad Lib, if you will. Yes, it's a Doctor Who Mad Lib. It's or like one of those dice games yes. where you've got like different elements on different dice and you roll the dice. It's like, okay, here's what's happening like, in this episode. Give me a villain, the master. Give me, okay. what is he trying to do? Like, get this consciousness. Like, where are they? The Jurassic period. <laughs> Something cool that's, you know, hip and, you know, up and coming right now. A Concord. There you go. That's exactly what it is. It's Doctor Who Mad Libs. Yep. I love it. I love it. That it's, is exactly what it is. It's, it's, yes. Literally what it felt like. And then yeah. nothing ever came together. Uh, no, it, it really kind of doesn't. And then by the time we get to, um, by the time we get to the last episode, it's, I mean, I feel like they're just like, they're jumping between like the TARDIS or the master's TARDIS at least <clears throat> and the sanctum. And then like, there's one, I feel so bad because there is one like a uh, co-pilot on the second Concord, and he doesn't get any of the action. He's like, wait over here in this room and let us know if something happens. And then he ends up in this other room and he literally does like nothing in between. Like the other pilots have way more action. Tegan and Nissa and the Doctor all have way more action. And this one guy is like completely left out of the story. Yeah. Yeah. He was just kind of there. He really was. And then I feel um, like the stuff they gave the other like flight crew to do, like it wasn't really necessary when they were like spying on the master and everything. I was like, it didn't really accomplish oh, right. anything. No, no, it doesn't. And and this is, I think this is, it, tell me if I'm wrong, because I think this is a, a unfortunate byproduct of like, you start with an idea. Okay. Um, you know, a Concord with a crew and passengers goes missing and then we have to go find it with another crew, but no passengers, except for these three people and their box. Um, and then they all have to do some stuff together to save the day. And then by the time you get to the point where you need those people to not just stand around and do nothing, you don't really have anything for them to do. Yeah, it's like the uh, the too many companions problem where you have to find things for all of them to do. Otherwise, right. otherwise they just exactly. end up knocked out for half the episode. Which, I mean, happens to Tegan and, and Nissa at some point in this episode. Yeah. They get knocked out for a little bit. This is true and has happened, happened to many a companion over the years. That is for sure. Um, and let's be honest, even the Doctor and Castrovalva. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they definitely... So... They had too many people to work go with. Go ahead. Too many characters to work with at one point, yeah. I think. 
And then you got the most uh, definitely the crew turned out to not be that important. The professor turned out to be important, sort of. I mean, even his story was yeah. weird and didn't make sense. It, it, no, it didn't because it seemed like the 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 Zeraphin were possessing Nyssa and being able to communicate through her. But then it was like, oh, we need somebody else to talk through now. And Professor Hader says, like, well, I'll, I'll volunteer as tribute. Yeah. And like he totally can't handle it and it kills him. And then he like shrivels up. But then he comes back as like a and the doctor's TARDIS later. Yes, exactly. As like a like a projection or something. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense at all to me. Nope. Um, outside of it just being Doctor Who and I should really just relax and roll with it, <laughs> which is what I do half the time with Classic Who. Um, I, I think really we kind of get maybe a tiny bit more cohesion toward the very end of the story. They, they, they get back um, and... You know the the TARDIS is able to uh, uh, dematerialize out of the uh, the belly of the the Concord, and literally, like the next thing, you know, here's the cops showing up. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we get one of those hilarious moments where it's like, oh, oh, yes, of course. Let me, uh, let me, let me just go get my license and registration out of the TARDIS. I'll be right back. And they're like, all right, we got to skip town, and they they. <laughs> take off out of there and manage to leave Tegan behind. I do like that the, the master's TARDIS briefly shows up in the at Heathrow for a yeah, second. Oh, that's right. His like Roman yes, column about TARDIS. That. Right. And if I re- remember right, I think they say that he actually like gets kicked back to the Jurassic or something. Oh no, he's the doctor sent him to the, the planet. Oh the, yes, the yes, yes, that's yeah. correct. Yes, the Zeraphin planet, um, which which now I need to know how the, Who knows, the master got out of that one. <laughs> yeah, right. There's one I want to I want to read or listen to. How does he get out of that one? Um, but we end season nineteen. Your your season finale ending cliffhanger with Tegan getting left behind. Yep. Which is, I mean, it's a cliffhanger, but it's not you know something like like I said before, it's not something like Earthshock. Right. Or, you know, seven seasons of, of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer where every season, oh my God, the world's going to end. Oh my God, the world's going to end. Oh my God, the world's going to end. No, Tegan just gets Yeah, which I mean, there's two outcomes. Either <laughs> they go back and get her or, you know, she's she's back where she belongs. So yeah, not, I mean, all that complaining about wanting to get back. Yeah. And it's not like they left her in like, you know, the medieval times or the Jurassic period. Right. She's in Heathrow in right. 1982. Like she's... I'm not that worried for her. Yeah, no, exactly. <clears throat> and it's it's kind of funny because I think, I mean, I, I suppose Legopolis, which was her first story, you know, Tom Baker's uh, uh, final episode. Um, I'm pretty sure that that would have been at that point's modern day, which just would have been 1981. So, yeah. you know, she hasn't been gone all that long. Um, I don't know if there's still a job waiting for her at this point. You know, she didn't show up for work. <laughs> So, um, yeah, a very bonkers story. Um, uh, Terry, are there, are there, is, is there anything else, you know, from the story that you want to uh, point out or, or share with the audience I, before we, as John would say, start hitting buttons? Uh, I did like in the beginning, I think we skipped over where the, uh, the security is talking to the doctor. He's like, just call the brigadier. When all else oh, fails, call yes. the brigadier, which I thought was hilarious. He's like, mm-hmm. just, just call unit. They'll tell you. 
Yeah, they'll tell you who I am. I do. The Brigadier yeah. is one of my favorite characters in the classic series, though. Whenever he shows up, I'm always happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like he's, fully, he's fully just, agree with that. They know me. Yep. And of course they do. Yeah, and they do. They're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll go call unit. Yep. And they're like, oh. I do appreciate yeah. they just accepted it. And like, okay, I guess we'll go call unit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could pull that off at an airport myself. I don't think they'd believe me. Just call the brigadier. <laughs> yeah, just call the brigadier. That could be, you know what? That could be a galley ribbon. Just call the brigadier. That, yeah, that might be one for, like next, for next year. I like that. I like that. Oh, man, I got to get working on some ribbons here. Uh, nice. Well, you know what? Uh, one of the things that we love to talk about every episode is, is where this episode would rate on the Duggan scale. I've got all the machinery I need. Stand back. It's time, it's time for the Duggan scale. Um, our patron saint, uh, Duggan throwing punches, throwing chairs before anything else. Love smashing things. Uh, do we do we get much in the way of fisticuffs in this story? Not really. They they smash that. They try to smash that wall, but that's about it. That's true. When they're stuck in the there sanctum, they smash to the wall and the rocks break. That's true. Um, and we don't get. I, I think at one point somebody tries to like like strike one of like the the swirly dry ice clouds yeah and like gets zapped or something yeah i think that's about um, it not much not much fighting though there, no there's not and and despite being in the jurassic period we don't see a single dinosaur yeah that was also disappointing to me that was definitely disappointing um so what do you think scale of one to ten can we even put this episode on the duggan scale like is there even enough data it might it might be a one just for the smashing rocks. Okay, that works. That works for me. Um, yeah, we we really don't have much for as bonkers as this story is. We don't really have a lot in the way of fighting. There is a pretty decent, I guess, argument between the Seraphim. Yeah, but it's not like they come to blows. Over it, yeah, it doesn't get physical. The master threatens no. some people, but never actually hurts anybody. No. Well, I guess we do get one person who's been uh, tissue compression eliminated. Yeah. Um. And 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 I think it's Professor Hater who's kind of oh look at this doll and it's like oh yeah Professor that that's that's not, not, a, not that's not a yeah and the yeah Professor gets down. vaporized I guess he does he does he gets I don't know absorbed maybe yeah. Um, but even that, that's more, I don't know. Not as smashy. <laughs> no, it's not a smashy. There you go. I like that. It's not a smashy. Yeah. Very low on the Duggan scale. Um, but the last thing to talk about is our ever loved behind the couch scale. Gathering close. It's time for the behind the couch scale. <laughs> I don't know about you, Terry, but this story really isn't scary much at all. Um, at least I didn't find it terribly scary. And maybe if you've got a child for whom flying is really scary. Um, yeah, I think that would be it. I Definitely not scary. The monsters yeah. were hilarious. They were. I feel, they like, were not... I feel like if I show this to my six-year-old nephew, he would laugh at the bubbles. Like yes. He would not be scared at all. I completely agree with you. Um, you know, and... and yeah, maybe if you've got a child who is a little afraid of flying, just remind them that falling through a time contour and into the Jurassic period is very unlikely. Um, 
yeah, I think at one point while I was uh, watching uh, parts of this story, uh, you know, my son was in the room and he was kind of like, what is going on, dad? I'm like, 1980s Doctor Who was going on. Yeah. Nobody you know, nobody that's, knows that's what's, what's going on. <laughs> Pretty much, especially with this story. I think the scariest part was the uh the cringy the cringy accent. Yeah. That 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 maybe, you know, if you've got a kid who is hip enough, uh that is definitely a part that maybe should uh generate some interesting discussion. But aside from uh, actually perhaps. being scary, yeah, not No. Nothing to worry Crin- about. Cr- cringy not scary. Yes. That's an accurate definitely. assessment. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for us this time. Terry, thank you again so much for taking part of your evening and uh, spending it with me talking about Time Flight. I appreciate it. It was fun. This was a fun one. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And, you know, you're always welcome to come on. And, you know, maybe next time we roll around to a fifth Doctor story, we'll ring you up and you can join me and John and we'll kind of hash it out. And maybe there won't be any gringy accents. We'll see. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. Well, uh, next time, I really had kind of hoped to figure out exactly uh, what we'll be watching. John is still going to be traveling, so we're going to be watching something. um, And I'll be joined by uh, uh, Dan, a friend of the show, friend of ours, uh, Dan of Dan and Hibba. Uh, Maybe we'll be getting Hibba on, too. I don't know yet. Um, But it will be a surprise for episode 231. Uh, In the meantime, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at The Podcastica. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. I've actually reverted back to a version of an older handle of mine at BusBuddha71. And you can follow uh, Terry on Twitter. Uh, At Captain Ace Danger. Nice. I love that. I love that name so much. It's great. Follow me everywhere on that that one. Yes. That's right. You are on all the socials and you post some awesome stuff. So please uh, go and follow Terry. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. Just search for Podcastica and look for Cartoon Me and Cartoon John hanging out of the TARDIS. Uh, Please, please, please rate and review us as well. We always appreciate that. Um, And I'll go a step further tell a friend if you have a friend who's like hey i like that show doctor who'd be like you know what i know a really good podcast you should check out these guys we'd appreciate it also feel free to subscribe to us over on soundcloud that's soundcloud.com slash the n-o-t-l-g you will get a feed of all the shows on the network there um head on over to shop.spreadshirt.com slash n-o-t-l-g uh and you can get our podcastica shirts uh you can get our future of time and spaces female shirt uh there's a whole bunch of stuff over there we got them as stickers buttons whatever i think there's even tote bags if you are a tote bag toting type um it is a pandemic so please we always encourage you to support local businesses support local artists uh you know they need the love and support and dollars uh more than we do at the moment if you do want to throw a few bones our way we're not going to tell you no that's over at patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g and that does it for us this time join us next time when we watch something and i'll have another guest on and it'll be fun and we'll all enjoy it uh until then we will see you later we get some bubbles bubble monster we we get bubble monsters literally, yes literally, which I, literally bubbles